I trust you're enjoying uh, our series on foundations. Uh, I, I know Mike said that actually he's got a bad eye, and that's why he's not here. But I think the reason is really, he's heard me preach so many times that he thinks he's not gonna hear anything new, he might as well stay home, I think. Um, but we do wanna pray for Mike, that actually he gets better soon. Um, he's had a lot to carry over these last 12 months. And we want to pray that God actually strengthens him and gives him all he needs to get through this. It can be quite wearing. So we just want to pray a blessing. Why don't we pray for Mike right now? Yes, do that. Father, we just lift Mike to you. We thank you for him. Thank you for his leadership. And Father, we want to pray right now that you'd be with him. And Father, we pray for a healing in that eye, that the swelling and the irritation would go down and that he'd be fit really quickly, be well again. So be with him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I hope, hope you've enjoyed the old building block stuff. Uh, quite nice. The only thing we're lacking is a bit of cement. We got the blocks. We could have made a lovely mess up here. I, I don't mind a bit of trail work now and again. Paul actually likes a bit of trail work, don't you, Paul? Uh, but I hope you've enjoyed the sense of there's some blocks and foundations that are so important. Foundations, I, I used to be a builder. Foundations are the most important part of the building. Without good foundations, you don't have a good building. doesn't matter how good it looks, how wonderful it is, it will fall down unless the foundations are right. So these foundational blocks that we believe we're putting into place in the church are hugely, hugely important for us. Uh, and this morning, as you can see, we have a mystery block. Can anybody, everybody see the mystery block? I'm about, steady, I'm about to reveal what this mystery block is. Now, all the other guys have lifted these blocks one-handed, yeah? Any, anyway, I'm a lot older than they are. But my back bent, anyway, that was a miracle, wasn't it? Got my back down there. So, somebody this morning put it like that. Now, I've got to move that, I've got to move that. We've got to keep a half bond, okay? That's better, that's stable. So this morning, I want to talk about generosity, the building block of generosity. I did think, actually, about putting a double-sized block up there just to show how generous the blocks could be. Uh, but I was frightened that Mike was going to be here and that would spoil the whole symmetry of the thing and that would really throw him if it was something that was a little bit out. Um, so, first of all, what is the word generosity? What's the definition of, of generosity? Well, it's the quality of being kind or generous, or the quality or fact of being plentiful or large. He says, <clears throat> generosity. And like all the foundational blocks that we've looked at, we could spend lots and lots of time looking at these blocks. We could spend weeks on each block. And there are countless Bible verses where we could get an example of generosity. You know, God's generosity to us, our generosity to each other, etc., etc. It goes on. There are just hundreds and hundreds of verses. Okay, so, well, we know what generosity is. We have an idea of what it is. It's the quality of being kind or generous. So, why should we be generous? Why should we be generous? Well, I want to make a, a statement to say that our God 
is a generous God. Our Heavenly Father is a generous Father. And so as his kids, we should be generous. Our God is the most generous God there ever has been, ever will be. He is the God. And creation is a marvellous place to look for an example of God's generosity. And we could work all the way through creation and go, can you see the generosity of God all the way through? I want to just highlight a couple of parts, really. And what amazes me about the creation story is creation is just, it's just kind of explained in a few words. And God just says something and something happens. Um, God says, let there be lights in the sky. And you go, is that it? And from what God says, let there be lights in the sky, to mark out the day and the night, suddenly there are billions and billions of stars. There are so many stars, we can't count them. We can't see the end of the universe. There's so much we don't know. But God goes, let's make a few stars. Do you know what? If I was God, I think I'd have put one big light up and had a switch. Day, night, day, night. God goes, I'll tell you what, I'm going to blow everybody away with this. I want to make something that is so incredible. And he just kind of throws it out there. And there we have these amazing lights in the sky. Isn't our God wonderful? Isn't he generous to us? We can enjoy those. People get the telescopes out and they look at them and things are light years away. Oh, man, it's incredible. And then God says this, let the waters teem with living creatures. I love that word. God just doesn't just say, let's put a few creatures in the water, you know, just so it looks a bit better. He says, no, let it teem. Let it teem with living creatures. Let your team means it's kind of, you know, it's full and it's this, they're everywhere. You know, you can't... Man, God is such a generous God. And we haven't finished finding all the sea creatures yet. You know, people go down to these different depths in the sea and they find new creatures down there. It's incredible. Our God, our Heavenly Father, is such a generous creator. He's so generous, so much so that we'll never run out of places to explore or discover. Never. We will never run out of those places. Creation is generosity to the extreme, to extravagance. If you like, we have a generous and extravagant God. Everything is just amazing. And here's something I think is wonderful. After God had finished his incredible work of creation, you know what he did? He gave it away. He gave creation away. He said to Adam and Eve, hey, you look after it. You have dominion over everything. You, you have it all. It was his to do what he wanted to do with it. But because he's such a generous God, he said, I'm going to give it to you. Here you are even though he knew they would mess it up. God gave it all away. And here's another thing I think is one of the most understated uh, lines in Scripture. All this wonderful creation had been made. And in Genesis 1, chapter 31, it says this, God saw that he had made, and it was very good. Very good. And I, I used to occasionally at school, I'd get a very good. 
And th it wasn't for anything that was very good. It was just it was better than normal. But God had done this amazing creation work. It wasn't very good. It was awesome. It was miraculous. It was amazing. It was incredible. It was beyond our understanding. It was incredibly generous. And he gave it all away. He gave it all away to his kids. See, for me, creation demonstrates without doubt just how generous and extravagant our God, our Heavenly Father, really is. Wow, he is amazing. I want to suggest this as well. This is point number two. I'm sorry there isn't PowerPoints for this, but I haven't learned what one is yet. So until, I get, until Paul gives me a lesson, I, I, I won't be any good. So point number two, our Heavenly Father is also patient and I think relentless in his generosity and his love. And what do I mean by that? Well, God is the kind of gift that keeps on giving. He keeps on giving. See, what I want to do this morning is for you to catch hold something of God's generosity so that actually you go, wow, we could do that. We could be like that. See, I, I enjoy the account of the exodus of the children of Israel uh, who were led out of Egypt, out of captivity and bondage through Moses and later on Joshua. And the children of Israel eventually come out of bondage and they, they get into the wilderness and eventually they reach the promised land. Now to reach the promised land took them 40 years and apparently it was a journey that they could have accomplished in under two weeks. Wow. I don't think they had sat nav. I think that was the trouble. If they'd have had Google Maps, they'd have got there quicker. And they didn't get there quickly because of their sin and disobedience. And yet time after time, their heavenly father, God, comes and rescues them. And shows his generosity in what he does. He feeds them, he clothes them, their shoes don't wear out. They have food dropped every morning. Here's a great thing. God doesn't give up on his people because things have taken far longer than they should have done. God was patient and is patient and relentless in his generosity towards his people. And I am so thankful he is gracious and generous and patient in his generosity towards me. I hope you are as well. God is incredibly patient with us. Point number three, God is generous beyond extravagance at the giving of himself. As we read the Old Testament, we find that there were literally hundreds of laws and commandments that had to be kept if anyone wanted to become close to God or be close to God. In fact, there were so many laws, it was impossible to keep the law. So God, our Heavenly Father, looked down from heaven at us, his kids, and just knew that we were in a mess, knew that our sins were keeping us separated from him, and also knew that we didn't have the wherewithal to make ourselves right in the eyes of God. We couldn't do it ourselves. 
And God knew that a perfect gift, a perfect sacrifice was needed. And without almost a second thought for himself, to the magnitude of what he was about to do, he gave himself in the person of Jesus Christ to come down to this earth and to be put to death on the cross for us. You see, God is an incredibly generous God. He's hugely generous with himself. He was put to death so that we could live. So that we could be free and in relationship with him. Our Heavenly Father just didn't kind of wave a wand or something and go, there you are, everyone's okay. He gave his very self to set us free. And we're going to remember that sacrifice a little bit later on as we break bread together and remember the death of Jesus. You see, for me, God has extravagant generosity in the giving of himself. John 3, verse 16, a well-known verse probably most of you could quote, says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave of himself in the person of Jesus Christ, his son. You see, generous giving is in God's DNA. Just who he is. It's who he is, what he is. It's what he does. He is amazing. Also, point number four. Jesus gives us examples of generosity in his life on earth. Don't you just love the accounts of miracles? I love reading the stories of Jesus. Can I just suggest to all of you, if you're reading the Bible, don't be too long out of the Gospels. There is something about reading about Jesus that you go, wow, that is just amazing. In John uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, it's the first recorded miracle that Jesus does. Jesus turns water into wine and Jesus and his disciples if you remember the story and his mother were guests at the wedding in Cana of Galilee when disaster strikes at the wedding they run out of wine Jesus mother tells the servants in verse 5 do as Jesus says (laughs) can I say always a good thing to do do as Jesus says And miraculously, you need to realize I'm kind of really pulling these stories in, okay? So find the scriptures and have a read yourself of these stories. So they do, as he says. And miraculously, Jesus turns some 120 to 180 gallons of water into wine. But it's not just any old wine. It's the best wine of the whole wedding. Jesus gives generously to the point of extravagance. Did they need the amount of wine? Well, I don't know. They may have done. And did they need the best wine of the marriage feast at that point? No, they didn't. They were surprised. The servants were surprised. This is the best wine. But then the same person who looked at creation and said, it's very good, was making the wine this day. You see, the thing about our Heavenly Father 
that just can't help but give, can't help but do that wonderful stuff, can't help but be extravagant in his giving. And then there was the feeding of the 5,000. The story is found in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. Jesus had been teaching and large crowds were gathering around him and it's getting late in the day and the disciples come to Jesus and they say, send the crowds away so that they can go and get something to eat. Jesus says to the disciples, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Do you know what? I just thought, man, you know, sometimes you kind of fantasize, well, wouldn't it have been great to have walked with Jesus and been one of his disciples? It would have been the scariest thing out. Can you imagine that? There's, there's, there's a dozen of you, you know, maybe a few more disciples. But, you know, Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. Man. I'd have been scared to death, you know. <gasps> what do we do? How would we have felt? And Jesus' disciples say this, we only have five loaves and two fishes, Jesus. And you can imagine, how are we supposed to make this stretch around this lot? And then Jesus does what he does best. Just comes in, takes the loaves and the fish, blesses it, breaks it, gets the people to sit down, they all eat, we'll have a great picnic. And there are 12 baskets left over. Why were there 12 baskets left over? I don't know. There have been people there with big appetites, I'm sure. Some people with appetites like Mike, who never stops eating through the day. They were, you know, people, they were all, had plenty to eat. Everyone goes away satisfied. Let me just say this. Can, can I just reiterate that line? Everyone, when they've been with Jesus, goes away satisfied. Nobody's left dissatisfied or unfulfilled in Jesus. When you come to Jesus, you go away satisfied. And then Jesus, point number five, Jesus is generous in giving us life as well. What do I mean by that? John chapter 10, verse 10 says this. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus doesn't come so that we can live, just live. Jesus doesn't come so that we can just walk and talk and eat and sleep and breathe. <laughs> Excuse me. Jesus came to bring us life, not just to live. Life with purpose, a life with meaning, life with hope, life with fulfillment, life with fulfillment, sorry, life with joy and an eternal future. You see, Jesus comes to give us something that's bigger, it's generous. It's not just so we can wander about through life, he's come to give us something more than that. I don't know if you've found that yet in Jesus. Because I think sometimes as Christian, we can just live. And we're not called just to live, we're called to have life. We're called to have a purpose in Jesus. That's what he does for us. He gets alongside us and he says, you might just think you're living. I want you to now walk with a purpose. I want you to walk with the promises that I give you. 
I want her to walk with the generosity in the things I've given you to share with others. There's a purpose in our lives. We don't just live, we have life in Jesus. Jesus has given us a generous life, life that's full. We have a generous, generous God. We have a generous Heavenly Father. We have a generous Savior who's given us everything richly to enjoy. Point number six, Jesus is generous in his forgiveness. Man, I'm pleased about that. Psalm 103 verse 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our sins from us. In other words, our sin couldn't be removed any further than that. Hebrews 12, Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 says, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. You know, these two verses are some of my favorite verses because I'm well aware that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of forgiveness, well aware. But when I come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, two things happen. One, he removes my sins from me. He doesn't leave them hanging on me and say, well, I forgive you, but they're kind of hanging on. He removes them. He takes them as far as the east is from the west. I don't have them anymore. Isn't that great? You don't have your sins anymore if you come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. They're gone. And here's the other great thing. He chooses not to remember them. Chooses not to remember them. So when you sin again and you say, oh God, you know, so I've done this again. He said, you've done what again? You've done what again? Because he chooses not to remember our sins when we come to him and ask for forgiveness. Isn't that an amazing thing? Isn't that incredibly generous of our God? How generous is our God in forgiveness? I want to suggest that God shows extravagant forgiveness. It's extravagant forgiveness. Man, we're free. No wonder we can come to God. No wonder we can come and pray. No wonder we can come into the presence of God. Why? Because God looks at us as clean. Why? Well, because he's taken our sins from us and he's chosen not to remember them. Therefore, we come into his presence. Point number seven. We have a generous God and we too should be generous. We should be generous. You see, as disciples of Jesus, we're called to be Jesus with skin on. We're called to be like him. We should be, as Christians, some of the most generous people in the world. So what does that look like practically? What does being generous as Christians look like practically? What does it look like as a church for a start? Let me say this, we've always tried to be a giving church. And at least 10% of everything that comes into specific church fund is designated to give away. Now that can be fun at times, because sometimes we have nothing to spend on ourselves and loads to give away. Do you know what, that's that's quite a a strange place to be in, but it's sometimes a wonderful place, because you think we ain't got anything, We can't afford the light bulbs, but I'll tell you what, we give a couple of grand to this work or that work. It's a lovely place to be, and it's it's kind of, I don't know how to explain it quite, but there's something about being able to give away 
that blesses us. We get blessed from giving away. So we've always tried to give. In fact, we've always given 10%. We also believe personally that actually we should be giving. And we, we recommend giving 10% of our personal income into the church as a good starting point. And the truth is this, as we give generously, the church can give generously. We can help our brothers and sisters abroad in places like Romania, India, Uganda, other places, and also various works in this country. Let me just say this, don't look upon when you give money as giving it away, as kind of, there it goes, it's gone. Do you know what you do when you give? You invest. You invest in the kingdom of God. See, an investment is different to just throwing something out. You're not throwing it out. You're investing it in God's kingdom. The more we give, the more we can give away. The more we can help others. And remember, the Bible is quite clear when it says it's better to give than it is to receive. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says this, so generously and reap generously. See, you do reap what you sow. If we sow generously, we shall reap generously. Some of you may remember all the way back to 2010. And it was a time when we were planning to spend lots and lots of money in getting this building up together, this massive old building into a usable space and a place for all that we felt God had called us to do here. And during a mission trip, trip to South Africa, God challenged us as about spending all our money on ourselves when our brothers and sisters in places like South Africa were struggling. So we decided that we would give half of the money that came into our general building fund, we'd give half of it away, which was a crazy thing to do, really. And you know what happened? We were able to give away £264,000 in that period of time. We gave that away. And we also finished building this place. And we also paid for it as well. You see, there's something about giving. There's something about setting our hearts right. There's something about investing. And we were able to invest in lots of people during that time. So let's be generous with our finance. Let's invest. Remember the story of Zacchaeus. I love the story of Zacchaeus. Luke 19, verse 1 to 10. Some people see it as like a Sunday school story. I'll tell you what, it's not. It's a transformational story of someone who was greedy, who was a, a bit of a thief and a bit of a liar and a tax collector. No offense to tax collectors. Um, but he was a pretty bad guy. And then he meets Jesus and something is transformed in his life. Suddenly, he stops being mean and he starts giving away. Half of everything he had, he gave away to the poor. And then anyone that he cheated, he gave them back four times as much. You see, something of the generosity of Jesus rubbed off on Zacchaeus. Something caught hold of him and transformed his life. See, it's not a Sunday school story, it's a lesson for us all. When we meet with Jesus, we need to be transformed and take on those character traits that Jesus has. And it's not just our finances that we're called to be generous in. 
There are also many other ways we could and can and should be generous. Remember, we're God's kids, God's kids, and our Father examples to us generosity. Okay? Now, if you're God's kids, guess what you've got? If we're really children of God, guess what we've got? We've got his DNA in us. His DNA is generosity. One of his parts of his DNA is generosity. Therefore, it should be in us. So let me say this. Be generous in your forgiveness of others. Don't let unforgiveness linger. It can be so debilitating to hold and harbor unforgiveness. And remember what the Lord's Prayer says. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, in the same way that we forgive, forgive us. I wouldn't pray that too often if I were you, unless you're really good at forgiveness. So what can we be generous in? Let me just, I just have a list here just to, hopefully, maybe something will just click with you. Let me say this, be generous in your encouragement of others. Be generous in your encouragement of others. Everyone needs encouragement. So be encouraging towards everybody. Encourage people when they bless you. Encourage people when you go, oh, that was good. Thank you very much. Be generous in your praise of others. Be generous with your thanks. Remember to be thankful for everything. Be generous with your compliments. Be generous with yourself. Don't be miserly with yourself, but give yourself. Be generous with your smiles. You know? Apparently it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown, so give your face a rest and bless people. It's surprising what a difference some of these things would make with our neighbours if we thought, let's encourage them, let's thank them, let's praise them, let's smile. Be generous with your love. Be generous towards your spouse. Be generous in your worship of God. Be generous.